Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com. Sissy Goff. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, David. For me, the 2020 version is Hallelujah New Year. <laughs> I don't know a single person who isn't ready for a new year this year. More than any other year I remember in my yeah. lifetime. Yeah. But it makes me curious. You know, we can go so quickly to that place of thinking about how hard this year has been and how ready we are for a new year. And We talked a little in our episode on gratitude about the importance of still reflecting on good things that have happened. It makes me curious, what would you say is one thing from 2020 you want to carry into 2021? We also talked about doing too much and how that can create more anxiety. And as a side note, I think we have had the same phenomenon. We have both been counseling in the 25-ish year range. And we have had conversations about how we both, as the longer that we've done this work, if there was a continuum from extroversion to introversion, we have both marched pretty steadily toward introversion. And I don't think either of us look like that, or you wouldn't necessarily think that if you met us, but we definitely both are introverts. And I think I feel like I did a better job of saying no during especially the stay-at-home, obviously, time. But I think during the pandemic in general, I just have slowed down and have absolutely loved it, way more than I had any idea. And I've done, I guess you consider it self-care. Can you consider TV self-care? Because I've watched a lot more TV. I've seen some great shows. But but I think that just, it has been so important for me to slow down and pull back a little because I think I kept feeling like I have no margin in my life. I have no margin in my life. And having margin really has made more difference than I would have ever imagined. I love that. So I hope you have a fun one because that one's a little serious. More tacos? Well, it's funny you should say that. (laughs) How did I know? Because what I hope to carry into 2021 is I have never walked so much in all of my life. And obviously you did hear me say I was walking to the taco place more often than was needed. But what I did manage to do alongside of eating a lot of tacos, was walking and listening to podcasts. I laughed with a friend the other day and said, I feel like I'm cheating on reading books, but listening to podcasts makes me feel like I'm consuming more information. So it kind You of- need to remember that about book sales. That's a terrible <laughs> thing to say when you're authors. There you go. All right, take that out. <laughs> but I love that. I feel like I'm consuming more good content. And I think where it has also helped me is 
I think a lot of folks would say the news has felt more overwhelming in 2020. And so I've loved listening to podcasts because I can pick the voices that I trust and I think are thoughtful and reasonable and and really listen to trustworthy voices in this time. So can you I, say one of your favorites? I have loved listening to, I think probably like a lot of people, Unlocking Us. I think Brene Brown's podcast is just outstanding. And she's interviewed so many fascinating, wonderful people. I've learned a lot from listening there. And I heard about a great podcast called Raising Boys and Girls. I think people should really? check out too. Yes. Yeah. Walk. I was thinking when you were saying that, I thought, I bet our podcast in different seasons makes parents so much more anxious that they'd walk really fast while they're listening to us. <laughs> We hope not. Square breathing. Keep doing square breathing. There you go. Grounding techniques. There you go. We'll talk a little more about what we hope for families in this new year. So thinking about New Year's, I have a very favorite memory of something that occurred for me around the New Year's. And I hate to say, I think it might be because I could (laughs) relate to this woman, but I think I'd gotten something for Christmas and it was not working right. And so I called the 1-800 number of whatever this corporation was. And I must have been on hold for like three hours. But I've never enjoyed a person as much that was on the other end of the line with customer service. She was hilarious. And she said, what are you doing for New Year's? And I, you know, I don't know how I answered that year. And I said, well, tell me what you're doing for New Year's. And she said, well, I haven't figured it out yet, but I will tell you a conversation I had with my family about New Year's. And I said, well, I would love to hear about the conversation you had. And she said, well, I sat them all down in a circle. And I said, Here's the deal. You all are getting on my nerves so bad that I want to know what your New Year's resolutions are to change that. What are you going to do to stop getting on my nerves this year? (laughs) I laughed so hard. I loved it. I can't even imagine having the gumption to sit your family down. Some of y'all are probably making New Year's plans right now. But I think in light of that, I loved her confidence and As counselors, one of the things we talk a lot about is family systems work and how a lot of families that we could, this could be a whole nother podcast where we talk about different roles family members take. I was talking to a group of high school girls about this last night and how there's often a family hero and there's a family clown and there's a family identified problem or a black sheep a lot of times. And so with that child, I think we counsel a lot of those kids because they're often the one family member who gets brought into counseling. And so parents will say, I need my child to be working on self-control, or I need my child to be regulating their emotions, or whatever it is that the parent is in our office talking about. And, And I think we both very regularly say, why don't you all work on something together? And New Year's feels like such a great opportunity to do exactly that. And and one of the ways that we'll do it, and we actually got this idea from a woman who brought us into her church. I don't even remember where we were, but she was so neat. And she pulled out our Are My Kids on Track book. And if you haven't read that book, we talk about the four emotional milestones, the four social milestones, and the four spiritual milestones that we believe every child needs to reach as they're growing up. And And she said, I sit down with my family every year, and each child picks a milestone that's the one they want to grow in. And she said, and my husband and I do too, every one of us. And she literally had these color-coded tabs in that book. Do you remember? I mean, it was full of tabs, and it was such a cool thing. And actually, why don't we say the milestones? 
Season one, in fact, is built around these very milestones. So if you want to go back to season one, you can take a deeper dive into the milestones. And our book has 10 practices for each one. So that could be a fun New Year's thing. But will you tell them a little bit about each of the milestones and what they are? I'd love to. So the four emotional milestones start with vocabulary, and that is just helping kids develop an emotional vocabulary. So many kids in this day and age can't say, I feel sad. They just go straight to, I feel depressed. They don't say, I feel worried. They say, I have anxiety disorder. They're using this big language to describe their experience because they don't have an accurate, well-developed emotional vocabulary. That might be girls more than boys. (laughs) Well, I wasn't going to point any fingers, but (laughs) you're adding to it. The second milestone is perspective, and that's learning to categorize all the events of life. So on a one to 10 scale, figuring out that a one in life is losing my car keys, a 10 in life is losing a family member. And talk about what you call the perspective scale in your office with girls. Again, because I counsel mostly girls, I started calling it a drama monitor because that's what it is. You have a lot of parents who believe that is accurate phrasing. The third milestone is empathy. And empathy is a well-researched foundational ingredient in all healthy interpersonal relationships. So parent to child, friend to friend, brother to sister, spouse to spouse, coworker to coworker, Empathy is a game changer. And the fourth is the milestone of resourcefulness, and that's being able to take the emotion to something constructive. So if we were to give the Cliff Notes version of all four of those, it's helping kids figure out what do I feel and what to do with it. And that sounds so simple, but is a really difficult journey for a lot of kids. And so those are the four emotional and then the four social milestones are... You are, are doing great. I'm so impressed. <laughs> well, I might need you to help me out uh-huh. here if I forget any of these. I think I know. The first is the milestone of awareness. And we talk often about, generally speaking, girls tend to be pretty strong in the space of awareness. Boys tend to struggle a little bit. I talk about how toddler age boys from the get-go tend to stand too close, talk too loud, <laughs> they have trouble with personal space. Yes. Girls tend to be overly aware at times. The second is the milestone of reciprocity. And that's the give and take of relationship. That's learning that every healthy relationship is a two-way street. Every healthy conversation involves back and forth. I'm listening and I'm talking. But we know a lot of grown-ups who missed reciprocity. I sat down at a dinner party pre-COVID next to a man who never got down reciprocity. I know that because 45 minutes into the dinner, he was still talking about himself. I don't think he even (laughs) knew my name at that point. The third social milestone is ownership. And in the beginning of that chapter, we talk about how research tells us that in the face of failure or struggle, girls will more oftentimes blame who? Themselves. Yes. And boys tend to blame other people. I opened that chapter up with a story of one of my sons at five approaching my wife and saying, what did you do with my soccer cleats? (laughs) As if she had worn them the night before with her dress. But that's instinctive. And so we've got to help kids move toward a healthy sense of ownership. And the fourth is the milestone of boundaries. And we talk about how generally speaking within relationships, boys have a little more trouble respecting the boundaries that are set and girls have a bit more trouble setting boundaries themselves. And so within each of these milestones, we talk about the stumbling blocks that kids face unique to gender and 
what are the building blocks to helping them get there, and then talk about the spiritual milestones. And then the spiritual milestones would be foundation, so laying that spiritual foundation with your children when they're little, and then moving to identity as kids are starting to wonder, who did God make me to be? And and asking you as a parent, who do you see that I am? And they don't necessarily even ask that in their words and their actions, and, and we have so many opportunities to communicate that because what we reflect to them about who we believe they are in those years when you are their heroes means that's who God made them to be and who they believe that God sees them to be as well. And then we move to mercy because we're talking about adolescence and really everyone needs mercy when we're talking about adolescence, but we want to help them have a sense of mercy because I think often they see, we talk a lot about the nearsightedness of adolescence where they're very aware of how other people impact them, but not so much how they impact others. So it's mercy in relationship to others, but also, and you all know, if we were to survey everybody who's listening, when we think about our faith journey, so many of us started in our adolescence, and it's because we get it. We get how desperately we need Jesus at that age, and so helping them grasp the concept of mercy, and then helping them move towards a sense of meaning. And we have talked about that in a lot of these episodes, actually, of of what it looks like for kids to help see that God can use me. Whatever I've been through, He can use me, and He has called me to something, and, and wanting them to grasp that. And so any of those milestones could be something that you're each working on over the new year. And obviously, you don't want to tell your teenager they need to work on the milestone of mercy. That might not go over so well. But I think it can be so great to do that because that's basically communicating to them, we're all growing together. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Did you know that Minnow has an award-winning children's Bible written by VeggieTales creator Phil Vischer, The Minnow Laugh and Grow Bible for Kids is more than a children's Bible storybook. It's a deep, engaging, and whimsical gospel experience. Each Bible story is vividly illustrated, takes just minutes to read, and includes a family connection to encourage readers to learn, talk, and pray together. Find out more at shop.gominnow.com. That's shop.g-o-m-i-n-n-o.com. You know, one of the biggest things we sit with families is before they brought their kids into counseling and the parents will come themselves, they'll say, how do I get my child to come? And I love when parents sit down and say, we're here because we told our child it wasn't just for them, it was for all of us. And that's what we're talking about moving into this new year. What could we all do to grow? Because we can certainly all grow. And I think in light of that, in a lot of ways, we've all probably been the worst versions of ourselves in 2020. The world has been the worst version of itself, and we might have to. It's kind of spilled over. And so it's an easy year to think about, what do we want to do? Who do we want to be in 2021? And will you talk more about what that could look like? Yeah, I think it is a year for a lot of growth, but it feels important to acknowledge that some of you listening may be thinking, I have less energy and less passion around setting goals right now than I've ever had. And it's hard to even give thought and time to that. And maybe it's hard to just even have hope to imagine that growth could happen, that change could take place, even though we know we're called to be people of hope. And so we love to talk around some ways to maybe make that feel more manageable and and easier as you step into 
the possibility of some goal setting or resolutions with kids. One of the things that I do in my office sometimes with kids is just try to create some categories, like just pick a small handful of categories. Like sometimes I'll help a boy set some academic goals, athletic goals, relational goals, and spiritual goals. And we just might work with those four categories or maybe just two or three of those categories. And then within those categories, thinking about goals that are manageable and measurable. Those are two words I throw out a lot to kids because a temptation is to set really big goals for any of us, not just for kids and adolescents, but for us as adults. And so think about how many people have never been a runner before and decide they're going to sign up for a marathon. And that's maybe not the best race to sign up for first. (laughs) You might want to pick a one-mile fun run or a 5K as a starting point. And so I'll use that example sometimes with kids of we set these huge goals and I think in doing so set ourselves up for failure. Or the other mistake that I think kids and adolescents can make is they don't make their goals measurable. So they'll say things like, I'm going to study more. I'm going to do better in school this year, as opposed to setting some kind of concrete goal like, I'm going to read for 15 extra minutes a day, or I'm going to practice math facts this many times, thinking about some kind of goal that's, again, not just manageable, but something that you can measure. And so I'd love for you to talk for a few minutes about some intentional practices that come to mind for you. There are so many fun ones we could do around the new year. And I think the first we would say kind of has to do with that idea of muscles and goals. And our friends at Minnow, in particular, our dear friend Jess, has written a wonderful article about that thing that has circulated the last couple of years. Y'all have seen it if you're on social media that's like one word to define your year and even having the kids we love define their year in one word too. So coming up with something together that we're each moving towards individually and maybe even as a family that you're that each of you have a word and you have a word for your family together that you want to look towards moving. I remember doing that one summer and the word was brave. And I think it can be the smallest things in terms of that measurable. We had a staff member who was nervous about riding the tube for the first time or something and watching her just jump in the water and she shouted, brave. And that's the first thing I think of when, and she kept saying, this is going to be my brave summer. And so what does it look like to have a brave year or a patient year or whatever we need to have individually and as a family? What would you add that would be another one? I would add one that we actually put in the first chapter of the intentional parenting book, and it's one that we call the time activity assessment. And this is intentional parenting. Yes. Is that season three of the Raising Boys and Girls podcast? It is season three. What a great thing we have to look forward to in 2021. We're going to bring you a little goodness in 2021 after this year. And in the first chapter of that book, we walk families through this really easy assignment. You could do this with kids of any age, even those who can't even write. You could be the reporter. It takes nothing more than four sheets of paper and a pencil. And you could sit around the table after breakfast on a Saturday morning and say, okay, on this first sheet, we're going to make a list of everything we do as a family and just have kids start throwing out ideas. I go to school, you go to work, basketball practice, gymnastics, whatever it may be. On the second sheet, we have you make a list as a family of everything you wish you could do more. So you all could have like a 2021 list. What do we wish we could do more of? And, you know, oftentimes kids will say things like, I wish we could go camping. I wish we could go to a water park. 
parents will say things often like, I wish we played more board games. I wish we volunteered more as a family. I wish we read more books. So don't judge or critique anyone's ideas. Just brainstorm ideas. And then on the third sheet, we challenge you to write a family mission statement. And think about how for any of you who work in corporations or organizations or churches or schools, every organization has a mission statement, some kind of sentence that defines the organization, talks about who you are. It may include core values, can include a lot of things. And I wish every family had one of those. I've given this assignment to a lot of families over the years, and I even have one family who ended up turning their family mission statement into a hat show print and had it framed and it hangs in their house. And so you could include a family scripture. You could include your core values. There's not a right or wrong way to write a family mission statement. But after you spend some time doing that, then you hold up the first two lists to that. How does the list of all the things we do in a given week line up with who we want to be? How does this list of all the things that we wish we could do more line up with who we want to be? And then on the fourth sheet, you get a do-over. And I have loved giving this assignment to families and seeing what they come back with. And it's been fascinating to see. I have a family that takes a trip together every summer, and they decided to do that trip completely different. They decided to stay in Nashville and have a Nashville trip, and every day of the week, a family member got to be in charge of the day, and every member of the family had to do what that family member wanted to do. So their six-year-old son wanted to camp in the backyard, including his mother. She had to sleep in the tent, he said. And on their daughter's day, she wanted everybody to go see a movie she'd been wanting to see. And then they went out to ice cream at her favorite spot. And on the mom's day, they did a service project together. So every member got to be in charge of a day. And that's something they chose as their do-over. I worked with another family that they went a step further on that first list. They didn't just list all the things that they do in a week. They put a number to it and kind of calculated, how much time do we spend doing all these things? And this family came back into my office and said, this was shocking to us, but the kids, when they saw the number of hours we spent, they as a family were doing travel sports at that time. And when they saw the amount of time they were spending traveling to practice, going out of town on the weekends for tournaments and games, they decided, you know what, we don't want to spend that much time anymore. So their do-over involved in the next season, they're only going to do rec sports or school sports. And so that was their decision. Again, there's not a, a right or wrong answer on that fourth sheet. It's just new ideas. And we have a new year in front of us for new ideas. So that would be the Cliff Notes version of the time activity assessment that could be something you could do as an intentional practice. Tell us another. While you have your paper out doing that, we want you to get two more pieces because we want you to make two lists at some point early into the new year. And one is, David addressed this in the beginning about 2020, and I think the train wreck in a lot of ways that a lot of us feel like it was, but you all, your first list is going to be a Psalm 27, 13 list. And that is, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And you all, there was goodness. There was the goodness of the Lord even in 2020. 
And so we want to look back on that. We want to remember that together. And you can also write funny things on there. And and even part of the goodness is God's redemption of some of the hard things that we've already seen come to fruition. And so that's your first list. Come up together with a list of the goodness of God based on Psalm 27, 13. And then you're going to make an Isaiah 43 list together. Isaiah 43, 19, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So what are the new things? What are the new things that you want in this next year? What are the new things that you want to pray together about, that you can pray for as a family, that you can pray for with each other? And in light of that, I think you could even put names in a basket and draw each other's names and pray for each other over the course of the year. We want to move into 2021 knowing that there may still be, there likely will still be lingering hard things. And there are hard things in every year. We know that to be true. But we can all still live with an expectancy and a hope that God is doing new good things, that He's making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And we want to take the kids we love back to that truth. We are super excited to come back together with you in 2021, where we will launch season three of the Raising Boys and Girls podcast, talking about intentional parenting, and we will have many more intentional practices to bring your way. And in the meantime, head over to RaisingBoysAndGirls.com, where you can find our books and lots of different resources. It'll take you back to season one and season two of the podcast. And we are trying to put out as much helpful information as we can really weekly on Instagram at Raising Boys and Girls and my Instagram at Sissy Goff. So either of those places, you're going to find a lot of practical help too. We can't wait to see y'all in season three. Happy New Year. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family with shows kids love and values parents trust. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.g-o-m-i-n-n-o.com. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.